let's go ahead and bow as we get ready to open the word. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to listen to your word. We thank you for the opportunity we've had to worship you in song and praise you. We ask your spirit to come in this as we go forward in this section of scripture. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 33. And they said unto him, Why do the disciples of John fast and often and make prayers, and likewise the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink? And he said unto them, Can you make the children of the bride, bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. And he spoke also a parable unto them. No man puts a piece of new cloth upon an old, if otherwise then both the, old, the new makes a rent, and the piece that was taken out of the new agree not with the old. And no man puts new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilt, and the bottles shall perish. But, when new wine, but new wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. No man also having drunk old wine straightway, straightway drinks desires new, for he said the old is better. Why don't you just look at this, because this is an interesting question about fasting that Jesus was asked. Uh, fasting is not emphasized very much in churches today. Probably should be, because we're going to look at why people fasted. Uh, and Jesus was asked, you know, your disciples aren't fasting. Uh, John's disciples fasted. Your disciples aren't. The Pharisees fast. Um, and Jesus has an interesting answer. But I want to look at what is fasting in the first place. All right. Fasting primarily in the scriptures is to give up food for a period of day, a period of time. For the, for the Jewish people, it would begin the night before at sunset and then end at sunset the, the, the day, and that would be a day of fasting. Many of the Jewish feasts included uh, feast. They called them feasts, which is kind of interesting because they include a fast on, on about half of them, uh, which is kind of an interesting thing. But, you know, so what is a fast for? Most of the time, a fast was a worship or relationship with God as it was part of the, the feast of the Jews. The other thing that we see in many examples is when people were seeking God's help or answer for something, or they were afraid of something, they would go into a fast and seek God's answer. Examples of this is in uh, uh, 2 Samuel 12. David was fasting when his son, his first son through Bathsheba from the adulterous affair was lying sick and God said the son was going to die and he went into a fast and he did not eat uh, for a period of time hoping that God would listen to him and spare that child. God did not but uh, he went into a fast. Uh, we have Esther in Esther 9 asking the people to fast. Why? Because she was going to go into the king's presence and if he did not accept her she would be executed. So she wanted people saying, I have this very frightful thing. I know what I need to do. In her case, she goes, I know what I need to do, but I want you all fasting in prayer for this event. We have Daniel who fasted on several occasions in, in the book of Daniel. And again, he was seeking answers uh, for what was going to happen. Uh, we have... King uh, Jehoshaphat 
In Second uh, Chronicles 3, his, Jerusalem is besieged, is on, has an army marching to him, and he and the people fast. And God does a miracle for them. He destroys the entire army. Uh, in front, and so they didn't have to fight. So there was, things happen when we fast. And if you've not fasted, I definitely recommend it. it is a good discipline to do. Not for, you know, today we're having people talk about fast for health reasons. You know, that is probably a good thing for health reasons as well. But God wants us when we fast to focus on him. And what we're doing is we're substituting something that we would spend a lot of time doing, especially here in America, it would be eating. Uh, there's none of us who are uh, starving to death in this, in this uh, world. Uh, and it's the opportunity to say, God, I'm going to give up something that's very important to me and focus on you. Now, for some people, they go, my health says I cannot fast. Well, that's good. You can fast something else if you really, what is important to you? What is going to be difficult for you to give up for a period of time? You could fast that. Uh, some people, they might have to fast TV. <laughs> uh, that would be quite an experience for most people to fast TV. Uh, but, you know, we want to be able to do this because when we fast, we actually start focusing on God. And we spend time, and every time we're, where our stomach is grumbling and we're getting hungry, we're reminded, let's go before God. And it's something that we encourage, you know, to do, if you're going, especially if you're going to make a decision, you need some help, you're fearful of something, do a fast. It doesn't have to be a long one. You know, it could just be one day. Spend time before God. Uh, don't go more than 40 days, you'll die. <laughs> uh, you know, 40 days is about as long as the body can fast without without running into problems. When Jesus fasted for 40 days after the baptism, and baptism, he was at the end of physical strength when he went through the majority of those temptations that we read about. Uh, I've only done a 40-day fast one time in my life, and it was a very interesting experience. Uh, you know, I don't know how many of you have ever fasted, but this first week, the first three or four days, the first week is the hard one. You're hungry all the time. After that, up, up until about day 35, you're not really that hungry. Your body says, you're not feeding me. Okay, I'm going to quit telling you to feed me. Uh, but it gets close to that last couple days, and it starts saying, uh, get some food into me. Do whatever it takes to get food into me. Uh, so, but, you know, take time. Seek God. If you're looking for a big decision in your life, take some time to fast and replace those meal times with prayer and supplication to God and see if God won't answer you and Jesus was not telling them that my disciples aren't going to aren't going to fast he goes why do they need to fast and seek for my answers when I'm standing right here <laughs> you know uh, he's saying I'm right here they don't need to seek me they don't need to beseech me they don't need to get my attention because I am right here and so they're asking him you know why aren't you doing this you know because the Pharisees would fast every week one day a week, that was part of their ritual. All right? And I'm not saying ever to get yourself into a ritual fasting because that would just like saying, you know, when you say ritualized prayers and you just say the same thing over and over again in prayer, it just doesn't mean anything. It's not focused on God. Uh, there are churches out there that they say the Lord's Prayer every Sunday. Now, the Lord's Prayer is a really beautiful prayer. Uh, it's totally misnamed, but we're not going to deal with that today. Uh, it is an example of how to pray. But you know, I've, I've been to some of those churches and I've watched them as they make that prayer. And none of them are praying. They are just repeating a whole bunch of words. 
that they are, have learned over their lifetime, and it's just a bunch of words. It's just in many churches they have prayer books. They wouldn't have an original prayer in there. They would use their prayer books, and there's nothing wrong with the prayer book if you mean what you're praying. But it's the same thing I say on so many of our songs. How many of us think about the words in the songs that we're singing? You know, uh, the, the songs we sing, the hymns, the, the choruses, especially the ones that I pick because I won't let the ones that don't mean anything, but you know, they all have value and purpose, but how often do we sing them without thinking about anything about the words? You know, we sing the song and say, well, it was a nice song. You know, we don't think about what it's talking about. We don't think about the doctrine that's being brought out in it. We don't think about how it impacts us. And I think it's important that we spend time not in ritual, not in just doing things for the sake of doing them, but to say, God, I really need to pay attention to you. We talk all the time. We, we, we are encouraging people, read your Bible through every year. And I think that's a very important thing. But if all you're doing is reading the Bible through without ever thinking about what you're reading, you know, you pick up your Bible. Okay, God, I got to get my three chapters in today. You know, five minutes later, I'm done. Okay, God, thank you. We'll see you later. You haven't done much. Now, it's probably better than not reading it at all, barely. <laughs> but God is asking us to read his word and meditate on his word. You know, what amazes me, we follow these Bible reading schedules, and you know what really amazes me is that Whatever I read that day, it's impact that day. And it's like, God, uh, this was planned, you know, a year ago, two years ago, however long it is, you're following that Bible plan, and right there in, is what you're going to need for that day. You know, why? Because God already knew what you were going to need for that day and already has, has everything set up. So we need to be able to look and say, God, I want my full attention on you. Full attention. When we pray, are we putting our attention on him, or are we just going through ritual? We give everybody a prayer guide, you know, and some people just read through the names and go, God bless this person, bless this person, bless this person, bless this person, without ever thinking about who they're blessing, who they're, who they're asking for. You know, we need to be able to look and say, God, do I expect you to heal people? Do I expect you to do great things? You know, I expect God to move. You know, I want to see God do great things in our town. I want to see a revival in our town. You know, I want to see God do such great things that this room is full because people are so anxious to get to church that they can't wait to be here because they're saved and following God. You know, I want to see it across the nation, but I really want to see it start in our town. I would love if the third great awakening in America started here. You know, I've been in places where the other ones have started. You know, so I just want to see God do great things. And are we really ready to talk to him and say, God, I'm looking for you. I want to see you work. I want your guidance. You know, and this is one of the things I have trouble with this. I'm a, I'm a manager, a planner, a scheduler. You know, I'm not quite as bad as I used to be, but I used to be where I could tell you three years from now what I was going to be doing depending on what day, what day of the week it was and what time it was. My schedule was that strict. You know, uh, God has shaken my schedule around a lot lately. <laughs> but I still tend to be that way. I still tend to be a scheduler. What is the problem with that is that you start forgetting that God is, needs to be part of your day sometimes. And we need to make sure that we're saying, God, what do you have in store for me today? 
You know, God, show me the opportunities that you have in store for me today. Open my eyes. Help me to see what's going to come, come down, the, down the road. Because it is so easy to get into a routine and just walk past everything. And I can tell you, I'm sure I'm not the only one, but there's been times I get, after the fact, I'm going, you know what I should have done? I should have said, <laughs> I should have talked to this person long after it's gone because I wasn't looking for that opportunity. And then the Holy Spirit comes along and says, uh, you kind of messed up. You were supposed to have talked to that person. You were supposed to have helped that person. So we need to be looking for him. And Jesus said, I'm not expecting my disciples to go into fasting now because I'm with them. He said, but there will come a day when they will need to do that. And that is us as well. We should be looking at God. How do I fast? When do I fast? What do I face? You know, I'm not so wrapped up in my day and time that I forget God. And we want to be able to say, God, I want to follow you. I want to follow you. And you know what? God likes to mess up schedules. You know, all the time, God likes to mess up schedules and say, well, I've got something else for you. If you don't believe it, how about when Jesus was going to heal the, heal the girl who's dying and, and the woman with the issue of blood touches him. And he stops to heal her. Can you imagine that poor father? We're going to talk about him in a few, in a few, few weeks, a month, something like that, because he's in this book. But can you picture the father going, Jesus, come on, my, my daughter's dying. I, you know, let's get moving here. Why, why, are you, why are you standing here? You know, this, you know, this woman has had a problem for a while. You know, we know who she is. She's been with doctors all this time. Let's get over, let's get over and take care of my daughter. You know, uh, she's old. She's dying anyway. Who cares? My daughter's young and has a whole life ahead of her. And, you know, and Jesus stops to take care of that woman. Mary and Martha asking for Jesus, come and heal, come and heal your friend uh, Lazarus. And it says he purposely waited until Lazarus had passed away and said, we got to go now. You know, it is amazing how God's time is not our time. We think that God is doing things in the wrong order and, and late. And you know what? When we look back on things, God is always on time. May not have matched our time, might not have been what we wanted. <laughs> but he says, I am going to be there on time. He's an on-time God, as the song goes. <laughs> now, he's always going to be when we need him. In our lifetime, hopefully we've seen this, that he's on time. When you need something, he gives it to you, usually at the last possible moment, so that you know it's him. Now, it's kind of amazing you're praying for God to help you pay a bill because you need, need a bill paid. When does he give you? Three weeks ahead of time? Nope. Two weeks ahead of time? No. Nope. <laughs> Usually it's the day, of, the day before, the day of the time that you need it that he'll provide. Why? Because if he didn't wait to the last moment, we as humans would go, yeah, look what I did for myself. <laughs> look what I managed to do for myself. I got this bill and I, it's covered now. And God says, no, I want you to know it's me. I'm the one that provided for you. It, it is very interesting to watch God work. And so here he is answering this question. And, you know, and then, we, then he gives them two small parables. And it's kind of interesting. This incident is mentioned in three of the four Gospels. And in every one of them, they give the same examples. 
Uh, and I'm kind of going, God, what is the purpose of these examples? I think he's trying to point out that, you know, they asked him an obvious question. Why do your disciples not, not pray, uh, not fast? And he goes, well, I'm with them. You don't, you don't, the, you don't go to a pride, bridal party and then go fast. <laughs> it was his first statement. You know, can you imagine that? We're gonna we're gonna go to the we're gonna go to the bridal the bridal party and then we're gonna go have the 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 feast afterwards and all the guests they're not gonna eat. They're not gonna eat any of the food, they're not gonna eat any of the, the cake, they're not gonna eat any of the punch because they're fasting. And that was the first point that he made to them. It's like you don't you're not going to celebrate and fast during the celebration. And that's the same thing for us. If we're, you know, we need to be picking the right time to be looking at this uh, for our desire. But then he goes on to make two other points that are very, very interesting. He goes, you don't take a new piece of cloth and, and put it on an old, old garment to cover a hole. Now, um, I guess we don't do too much of patching jeans anymore. <laughs> uh, but you know, you always took something that was older had already been shrunk so that it didn't shrink and tear up the garment even more. And that's his point. He goes, you don't take the new and patch it. Patch the old. Now I'm going to take this even further because he's also going to tell us that when we, we become his, he doesn't just patch our heart. He does not patch our life. He gives us a new life. He's not even going to take a patch over it because a patch does not work. Uh, even in the computer world, when there's a bug on a program, they put a patch over it, but then they rewrite the program and put a new piece of the program in it later on. Uh, you know, we do these things. Patches are temporary fixes for something. He goes, when this happens, you don't do a temporary fix to the issue. And then he goes even further, he goes, when you make new wine, you don't put it into old wineskins. Now, we all kind of go, well, what's, what's the big deal there? Well, he says you put it in a new one, new leather wineskin uh, in it, so that as it ferments and gases are released and it would start bloating, if it had been using an old wineskin, it would say, we can't, we can't expand anymore. I filled it up, it's, it's full and it doesn't expand, and he goes, it will burst. The new leather would expand. And I don't know if anybody's ever worked with leather. It's kind of interesting to work with new, new and old leather. So it's, you know, I understand this because I've done some leather working. Uh, it's just, you know, interesting to think about this. But he gives these two examples. And he says, these are obvious things. He goes, my disciples are not going to fast now because I'm with them. And he continues with these obvious examples. Now, one of the things that I find in the Bible that really amazes me is how often God knows us. He knows that we are hard-headed and don't listen very well. How do I know that? How many times he repeats himself over and over in the scriptures? Now, he gave three stories here to tell them, here's an obvious truth. And he gives them three stories in rapid succession. You go through the Old Testament and God keeps repeating himself so many times. And he tells us over and over in the scriptures, remember, remember what I have done. And he kept telling them all through there. He says he was reminding the children of Israel, remember what I did to Egypt. Remember the Red Sea. 
Remember the crossing of Jordan. Remember what I did when you came into the promised land. Remember how I fed you in the wilderness for 40 years. You know, the problem with us as humans is we have very short memories. <laughs> now, uh, we often have this uh, tendency of what have you done for me lately and we apply it to God. God, I know you took care of me last week, but what have you done for me today? Now, we may not put it quite that bluntly, but, you know, don't we live that way so often? We live just that way. God, I know you took care of me last week. I know you took care of me last year. I know you took care of me last year. But what, are you, what have you done for me today, Lord? It is easy for us to fall into that, that attitude. And you know, the hard part about that mentality is God doesn't owe us anything. Now, what he owes us is hell because of our activities. What he gives us because of Jesus Christ is eternal life. And once he's given us eternal life, he still doesn't owe us anything. But as his children, he blesses us anyway. And I love being God's child and watching what he does. He is so full of blessings if we just remember that. Now, the song, Count Your Blessings, is such a wonderful song because I love that line. You know, count your many blessings and see what God has done is so great. Now, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. You know, how often do we forget to count our blessings? It is so easy for us to look at all the things that we think are bad. And even then, when we're looking at the things we think are bad, we're forgetting that Romans 8.28 says that for all things work together for good for those that are called to God, love God and called according to his purpose. Everything that happens in our life, whether we think it's good or not, God says it is for good. And yet we forget his word so many times. And we're going, God, why are all these bad things happening to me? Job could have, could have said that. You know, and he had what we would have considered bad things. All of his wealth taken, his family taken, his, his, health, his health taken. And then he had some three wonderful friends that were really, really loving and caring for him. Telling him how bad he must have been to deserve all of this. And yet... He held true to God. Now, after being hammered for a long time, he started getting to where he complained, and God stepped in and said, God, let me show you what's going on. But, you know, do we really focus on God and what he's doing? Do we recognize that God is intimately involved in our lives as Christians? I hope so. God cares about everything we do. Every little thing we do, every big thing we do. You know, I, I love it when people will try to tell me, you know, well, I'm going to take care of this problem because it's too small. I'll wait to tell God, you know, give God a big problem. When I have a big problem, I'll take it to God. I have one question for them. What is a big problem to God? How big does your problem have to be before God is going to say your problem is big enough for me to care about? Well, if we truly know him, we know that any problem he cares about. He doesn't care because God created the whole heaven and earth. He holds everything all together. For none of us are we going to have a problem that's so big that it would destroy the universe. And God holds the universe in his hands. You know, so we need to be able to say, God, I trust you for all my problems. And take and pass all your cares on him. And trust him to give you his answers. 
You know, I can almost picture that God is so disappointed with us sometimes saying, well, why are you having, why are you dealing with that? You know, I'm standing right here. Maybe you've been a parent and your kids needed help and you're all set to give them, give them the help, but, they're, but they don't want it. They're not going to ask. Their whole life has fallen apart. <laughs> you know, you, you've got the resources or the advice or the help for them and they don't want it. How many times is God up in heaven saying, I've got the answers for you. I've got the resources for you. Why don't you just ask for help? And we need to be willing to look and say, God is ready for us to have that new life. He's ready for us to have that trusting relationship with him. If we will just bow to him and say, God, I need your help. But again, what's probably one of our biggest problems is pride. You know, God, I'm not going to ask you for help. I am going to fix this problem because, you know, and why? You know, how many times do you think you're getting what you deserve so God shouldn't help you? You know, I've been there. God, I caused this problem, so I am going to dig myself out of this hole as I'm digging the hole bigger. God, I caused this. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and God's saying, just humble yourself and I'll lift you out of the hole. God does not care that we caused a problem in our life because, you know, technically all our problems are most likely caused by us. He's saying, trust me. Trust me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean on into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Do we quickly trust God? Or do we go, God, I'm going to make my plans. I'm going to, I am going to fix this. One way or the other, I'm going to fix this. You want to do that, be my guest. I've done it. God stands opposed to you when you try it. And he will make sure that your plans don't work. He will humble you. He will say, I am going to make this my way. And he will keep letting us dig a deeper and deeper hole until we finally surrender. Because he knows that he wants our pride destroyed and our trust in him. And the hardest thing for us to do is trust him when it goes against everything that we think. Now, it's amazing. God tells us to give him 10% of our income. And we're looking at it, and God, I don't have enough to begin with. And God says, well, give it to me, and I'll, and I'll bless the rest. It has been amazing with, to me over the years of tithing that I have done to watch God do the miraculous. You, go, you give God his 10%, you go to the grocery store, and you end up buying twice as many groceries as you thought you could with the amount of money that you had budgeted for groceries. You know, uh, just little things that he does. And the blessings he brings besides that. Are you willing to say, God, I'm going to follow you no matter what it looks like to me by sight? How many times has God asked you to talk to somebody? God, I can't talk to that person. They're smarter than I am. They're bigger than I am. They're meaner than I am. Whatever it might be that is keeping you from talking to them. You know, and God says, just talk to them. It's a pretty amazing thing to go somebody that you, you go to talk to somebody and you think this person is going to rip me from limb to limb and they look at you and tears break out in their eyes when you, when you start telling them about Jesus. You tell them that God loves them. You know, it is an amazing thing you know, that people need to hear something just that simple. God loves you. 
I have seen people break down because they don't really truly believe that God loves them and they want somebody to love them. You know, something simple. Be ready to speak a word in season and just open up and quit looking by sight on what you think is going to happen because there's always something good that's going to come out of this. So we just want to be able to look at this and understand that Jesus was not telling them that his disciples would not, but would not fast. He encourages us to fast. And, and again, not every week, not every month. You know, don't, don't go in that. But also think about this. If you've got a decision in your life that you really want to ask God for, go into a fast. Take some time out and say, God, I'm going to focus on you during this period of time. And if you're fearful of something, fast. Those are our examples. People have great requests or are fearful. They, they would go to God through a fast and say, God, I'm giving up eating for a while because I want to focus on you. I'm going to put my attention to you. And so I'm just going to encourage us to really look how important is God in your life? How important is he in all that you do? Is he just an extra facet of your life? Or is he the main part of our life? He is our Savior, yes, but he is also supposed to be our Lord and Master. And if you have somebody who's a Lord, they are the most important uh, focus of your life, to please your Master. Now here in America, we forget that Jesus is Lord. And we don't really know what Lord is in the first place because we are Americans. We don't like our leaders. We vote them out of office and put new leaders in. Okay? So we really don't understand what it means for him to be Lord, Master, and king. The Lord and Master means that he can tell us what to do, when to do, and how to do it. And we are to be ready to just respond. Most of us don't look at him that way. Including myself, I have trouble sometimes with it. You know, we need to be able to say, God, what is it you want me to do? Not what do I want to do. For most of us in America, we go, God, this is what I'm going to do, bless it. You know, and God's saying, uh, well, this is what I want you to do. Blackaby in the book Experience in God said, we need to be looking for what God is doing and join God in what he's doing, not ask him to join us in what we're doing. We need to be seeking God and saying, God, I want to be where you are. I want to work where you are. I want to be doing what you want me to do. And we want to be able to look at just those things and saying, God, how can I serve you. And you know, the great thing about being a servant is, and this is hard for us as well, servants don't get the credit. Now, if you're serving somebody, who gets the credit? Whoever is the one that is Lord. The, the cook in the kitchen, the, 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 the waiters and everything are serving somebody, and it's not them that get the credit for their service. The credit goes to the, per, the people that are uh, hosting the party. Yeah. And so God is saying we're his servants. We're not to be looking for credit from for our service. Now the good news is sometimes we can get credit, but you know what? We cannot have hurt feelings if we don't get the credit either. Because we're not serving the people. We're not serving to get credit. We're serving God. He gets the credit. And he's going to give us eternal rewards for, for our service as long as we're doing it for the right reason. We're going to close here. 
Lord, we just thank you for this day. Lord, if there's anybody listening online or on the, on the broadcast that doesn't know you, we're asked that today that they will ask you to be their Savior. They'll recognize their sin and that they are lost and they will confess their sin and repent and ask you to be their Savior. Lord, for those of us in this room and that are Christians listening, that we ask that you will teach us to be servants, that you will teach us to seek your word and your guidance in all that we do, and we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Listening friends, do you know God? Not just know about him. Today is the day to decide to become his child. God loves you, and Jesus came to die for your sins. In Romans 3.23, we are told, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have sinned. God says the penalty for sin is death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We sin and deserve death and hell. However, Romans 5.8 says, But God commended his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loves you so much, he died for us so that we can be forgiven and have eternal life. How do we do this? Romans 10.9-8 says that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Today is that day for you to come to God and truly know him. Do you know him? Do you want to know him? Pray in your own words like this, God, I know that I am a sinner and deserve punishment. I believe that Jesus died to pay my sins. Forgive me and help me to turn from my sins and to live for you. If you have asked this of God and truly believe you are God's child and part of, of his family, we encourage you to do these things. First, tell somebody that you are saved. Second, start reading the Bible each day. We recommend starting with Ephesians and then the Gospel of John. Find a good Bible teaching church. If this is your, your day of salvation, you can contact us and we will send you a booklet to get started on your new life and are available to help you with any questions you have about the Bible. You can contact us by email at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or by mail at Chloride Baptist Church, P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona 86431.